new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. I was watching the clock run down, and I was thinking to myself, that was the most dominant, best team game performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. From start of the game to the finish, discipline. They did everything that you could possibly do to make it a perfect performance. Tampa Bay's got a lot of problems to solve. And that's coming from the great Mark Messier, who's been part of so many Stanley Cup winners. So you want to talk about a compliment coming from a guy like him that is saying something. Welcome, everybody. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T. Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. As we talked about last week, Terry is down in Tampa getting ready for game three. Uh, Terry, I'm sure you got your nap in and you're all ready to go. Before we go any further, let me be the first to congratulate on the air you and Mandy on your marriage over the weekend and your unflappability in the face of weather adversity. Well, it's funny because it's, it's almost as if you've been on TV or something. Yeah. Well, um, right when the ceremony started, it started to rain. I mean, right. Well, that's good luck, happened. right? It is. It is considered to be good luck. So all of us were standing. Then we had to move under a tent and we finished it there. Uh, it was just, uh, it, it was more than I honestly could have imagined. Um, the way that Mandy and I set it up, we stayed at the Starkey Mansion and the folks there really took care of us. We did the wedding there, but we also rented it out as an Airbnb for about 13 of us. So our families really got to know each other so well before the wedding began. So that's why it felt so intimate. It was an intimate wedding anyway. Uh, everybody got along so well. It was fun. We danced well into the night. Um, the ceremony was fun, and it was different because it was almost like an impromptu play because so many different things happened while it was going on. As an example, the wedding was supposed to start at 4, and the music that was going to be played is on a computer, and the computer overheated, and we had to stick it into a freezer. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And How long did it take? It took about 10 minutes, so the wedding was supposed to start at 4. It started at 4.45, so had it started at 4, it never would have rained. But as it turns out, everything really worked for the best because there were so many funny things that happened. It was kind of like going to a theater production in which the crowd gets involved and yells out things to people out sta on stage. And that's... Drood. Yep. That's what it felt like. It was like... Viewer participation. It wasn't your typical standard ceremony. And to me, that's what made it so memorable. But more importantly, we brought two great families together. And I love Mandy more than I can possibly imagine. So being there with her, uh, not only on Saturday, but now for the rest of my life, I am so incredibly blessed. With that's that, great. Congratulations. Thank you. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Okay, Andre Vasilevsky, Braden Point were not on the ice today for the Avalanche, or excuse me, for the Lightning at the pregame skate. Neither was Landeskog or Burovkowski. Kadri uh, skated with the healthy scratches and extras. Um, we know why certain guys weren't on the ice, but that seems to be the headline. So, Terry, you were there. Dig a little deeper for us on each guy. 
There was a little bit of excitement about Andre Vasilevsky not being out there, but for who? Tampa people. For who? Oh, from the Colorado. <laughs> right, who right, under, from right. The, who don't understand that this is fairly typical for right. him. And uh, they're into that every other day routine for the most part, except in this series at the start. And so he, he knows what he, what he needs to rest and be ready. And in his case, he's the classic case of attempting to have a short memory, forgetting the previous game and coming back and, and leading the Lightning to get back into the series. So he knew, it really wasn't considered a big deal down here. There were some people in Colorado who thought it was a major happening. Braden Point, John Cooper had said that was not the 100% Braden Point the other night. And it just, in my mind, it comes down to whether – John Cooper believes that having him out there is almost counterproductive, as it would be if, if Nazem Kadri went out and tried to play now. So Braden Point, I think, will play tonight, but they said he would be a game-time decision. But I think there's, they're clearly wondering whether he's 100% and, and capable of contributing as much as they need to in this situation. Okay, let's talk about the series. It is 2-0 right now. And- well, but let's – the Avalanche, too, though. Landeskog – Routinely has taken maintenance days and skipped morning skates. Burakovsky was on his way from Denver to Denver to Tampa and hadn't arrived yet. I don't think he'll play tonight. Kadri came out only with the healthy scratches and extras. He was not a participant in the main part of practice, so he's not playing either. I don't typically like to be wrong, but I do not mind being wrong, especially when I'm picking against the home team. I was pretty adamant. I thought the Lightning were going to win this series. Now... We're only two games in, only two games in, and I'm sure there are a lot of Tampa fans saying, hey, we were down two zip to the Rangers. We were down 3-2 to the Maple Leafs. For some reason, this feels a little different, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, they were so boat raced in that game, too. And I think there's there's a realistic balance here that, that that's the kind of situation that happens often in playoff hockey when – the one team is, is is boat raced and comes back and says, well, it's only one loss. And so I think that's what the Tampa point of view is, both in, both within the fan base and the, and the team. This is a team that's very good at home. And John Cooper went out of his way to say he wanted to emphasize to his player, players one thing about the home ice advantage. They can't just show up and win. And it, it's kind of funny because they were so – they were so decisively beaten in Denver the other night. Many people are drawing, trying to draw conclusions from it. I think in, until it happens again, until the Avalanche are able to break through the Tampa home ice advantage, that it's 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 kind of one of those things that's out there. Is this a major, as Mark Messier mentioned, is this just a major determinant that the, the Avalanche are that much better than the two-time defending champions? Or can the two-time defending champions come back and get back into the series? I think it's going to take one more night. If the Avalanche play like that tonight, even, you know, you, you can play well and lose, and that's sort of what I, ex- what I expect tonight. But for the most part, it, it's a case of trying to decide whether the indications are that the Avalanche are so much stronger than the Tampa Bay Lightning that it's going to be a series route. You know what? Picking against the Lightning, to me, is kind of like picking against Tom Brady. That's what it feels like. I'm going I'm, I'm to go with Tom Brady until he loses. And I think, uh-huh. that, I think that was part of my thought process. I looked at their defense, which is big and strong, yes. but they certainly haven't looked as fast. I no. watched what Tampa did to the Rangers in the neutral zone. That certainly has not happened. We talked about the goalie matchup. 
there has you, you could have had an empty <laughs> net for the Avs in the last game, and you know what? Maybe the score would have been seven to six because how many shots and goal did they have? Like seventeen. I think yeah. I think they were held to their fewest shot attempts the entire season in this game. But when you look at Tampa's history, you look at what they've done over the last two years, you look at what they've done in the playoffs this year, a team that has been resilient, isn't it kind of in the back of your mind you're thinking, oh, I have a feeling like they're holding something back, which you know they're not, but is this really going to happen? Don't you feel that way? Yeah, that was the feeling I had the other night. The other thing I think we're not giving the the avalanche enough credit for one major point. It's that they got ahead and they didn't sit back and they didn't yep. go into the prevent defense. Right. They just kept the pedal to the metal. And it was such a it was such a concern earlier in the playoffs against St. Louis, especially in that one game, that uh, Jared Bednar has been derided for that. And in this case, it was a case of the Avalanche keeping the pedal to the metal being so dominant, being so decisive that the question is, and I'll keep coming back to this, whether it's planted some doubt in the minds of the Lightning and has them, has them being inhibited the rest of the series. And I don't know the answer to that yet. You know, they were talking about this today, and I know it's going to shock people, but other NHL teams talk about it. They're great fans and how terrific they've been. And in this case, they're calling on the Amelie Arena faithful to to pump them up and give them a hand and they expect that to happen and they're a pretty good team at home and so until this becomes a case and i know it's a cliche that a series doesn't start until a team w- wins on the road that but it, i really believe that in this series that we will see if the avalanche are so dominant so much stronger that it will hold it'll hold true here even in tampa but you know what, Terry? No series has really started against the Avs because the Avs haven't <laughs> lost on the road. So that that should tell you just how dominant they've been. Now, I, I've been seeing this a little bit more, and you saw this leading up to this series. And as a matter of fact, you saw this with Tampa starting the playoffs. They've played so many hockey games over the last two and a half plus years. Are they going to run out of gas? Are they going to run out of gas? Now I'm reading from some people. Uh, whether it's in the Tampa papers or even on Twitter, well, maybe they just ran out of gas, and th- that's why they look so slow. I don't think they've run out of gas suddenly in this series. I think at least in these two games, the Avs have been that much quicker than them, and I am not so sure for 60 minutes they can skate with Colorado. They might be able to skate with them, for 10 minutes, and we saw that in the Edmonton series a little bit. We saw that a little bit in the Blues series, where those two teams could skate with the Avalanche for 10, 15 minutes of the game, but for the rest, they couldn't. Can they score goals in those 10 or 15 minutes that can be the decisive elements in the game? That's one That's one question. The other one is nobody can skate with them for 60 minutes. That's where you have to give them credit, and in my mind is where they're, where they're the preeminent team in hockey at that. And so it, it's going to take a team that can minimize the, t- the period where they're being outskated and take advantage of the Avalanche's mediocre goaltending and, and take advantage of all of that to, get, to stay in the game and to score the decisive goals at the, same t- at the important time. I, I've mentioned this throughout the playoffs, but it bears mentioning again that an NHL player, longtime NHL player, said this to me a long time ago. He said, you get to the playoffs with your top two lines, but you win in the playoffs 
with your bottom two lines. And that has never been more true, not only in the run up to the cup finals, but in this series as well. Well, it's also a case of you having to define who the bottom two lines are and the top two lines sure. are because Jared Jared Bednar has been so adept at kind of mixing people in and out of the out of the lines that you, you no longer really can point to it and say this is exactly what their lines situation is, you know, with with uh with Cogliano playing so well in the fourth line at center, he's actually probably going to be bumped up again. And uh, they've got they've just been moving guys around. They've tinkered with the top line, which I thought was ludicrous and have been proven to be an idiot on that point. And so I think they've really done a great job of kind of mixing and matching and moving and, and doing all of that. And so it's not even a case of identifying the bottom six anymore. It's the bottom six in some cases there are guys in the top six all of a sudden right and he he's been so adept at adjusting and evaluating the where they can contribute against specific teams and so it's really it's you look at the way look at the way Rantanen has moved around he's right. contributed he hasn't done had a great playoff but he's contributed from several different roles and several several dis, different spots and i really truly believe that jared bednar's genius if he has a genius it's that somehow he he gets the sense of when it's time to adapt well Terry, I'll put it this way and allow this to be my final comment of this segment as kind of a mic drop. Jared Kendar, uh, Jer- Jared Kendall Bedner is more <laughs> than just pretty. He's a pretty damn good coach. Coming yeah, up at, coming up after the break, Cogliano, Lekkinen, Manson, terrific trade deadline deals that have helped the Avalanche get to this point for sure. How does that compare to, I don't know, what LaCroix did when he acquired at the deadline? Rob Blake, Ray Bork, Theo Fleury. That's next. At your family reunion, then six o'clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody. When I met you in the summer, to my heartbeat sound. We fell in love as the leaves turned brown. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mylifesports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Terry, of course, joining us live from Tampa as he gets set to go and watch game three in Florida. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Cogliano, Lekkinen, Manson, terrific trade deadline deals, and likely much better than what Joe Sackick probably could have expected. So let's try and compare if we can, and I understand the names that I'm going to be throwing out. A couple of them are Hall of Famers. Another guy, multiple, multiple, multiple all-star. Lacroix. Trade deadline deals, Rob Blake, Ray Bork, Theo Fleury. Any way to compare? You covered those teams. I didn't. 
Two of the three were successful. One was a thunderous disappointment. But even the ones that were successful involved many elements other than simply the marquee players. Ray Bork, I think we forget, it was uh, Dave Andrichuk with him to to Boston, I mean, from Boston for Brian Ralston, Martin Grenier, Sammy Paulson in a first-round pick. Sammy Paulson ended up a pretty good player. Brian Walson was a speedy forward. And so they, they they gave up a lot for for Bork and Anderchuk. Anderchuk was actually a successful additional element, veteran element, to help the Avalanche when, after his acquisition from Boston. So it wasn't just Ray Bork. Ray Bork, of course, uh, ended up in that emotional moment raising the Stanley Cup after taking the handy handoff from Joe Sackick. So it re- it was a crucial element in winning the the 2001 Stanley Cup after coming up short in 2000 after the Ray Bork acquisition. But I really think that Ray Bork was not an absolutely indispensable, and nobody take this wrong, Ray Bork was not an absolutely indispensable element in that 2001 team. He was a good addition in the partnership with Adam Foote. He was he was uh, sliding a little bit downhill, and he retired at the right time. But he was a great element for character and emotionalism on that team. So that that was really involved more than Ray Bork and other elements. Rob Blake came in the next year, and people forget he had just rejected a five-year, $40 million for offer from the Kings. And the most interesting thing about that is he rejected that offer from the Los Angeles Kings, and now he's the Los Angeles Kings general manager. So it's really kind of ironic that he came because of intransigence on the financial part. But it, it wasn't just Blake either. It was rookie center Steve Reinprack to Colorado for Adam Deadmarsh. Aaron Miller, a number one pick in 2001, and some other considerations. And the interesting thing about that is Aaron Aaron Miller was a solid player for the Kings. Adam Deadmarsh was a solid player for the Kings. And Reinprecht was actually a solid player for Colorado. So it wasn't just Rob Blake. And the additions on both sides of that formula were positive elements for both teams. And Pierre Lacroix held up on the trade. Uh, it did not come out, and it stayed quiet. And Pierre Lacroix held up on it because Adam Deadmarsh's wife was pregnant in a very difficult pregnancy with twins and he didn't want to do that to adam deadmarsh at the time and so he held up it could have fallen through but they eventually brought him in theo flurry it was a much ballyhoo trade i remember th- meeting him at the airport joe sackick went out and met him at the airport and uh, he was one of his friends and we thought it was just going to be a difference making deal uh in, in one of those years that they, they again fell uh, fell short in the western conference finals against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Fleury had all kinds of personal problems at the time, but the Avalanche sent Rene Corbet, Wade Belak, and a uh, which and a consideration which turned out to be an excellent young defenseman named Robin Regeer and a second-round pick to Calgary for Fleury and Chris Dingman, who also was a different player. But uh, that was just a thunderous disappointment because Fleury had all those problems off the ice. The Avalanche went along with the narrative that that they were trying to re-sign him as an unrestricted free agent as a rental, and, and he they just couldn't reach terms financially. But the truth was the Avalanche knew, eventually knew he missed a playoff game against important playoff game against Dallas because of sick quote sickness unquote. The Avalanche knew he had all those problems. Pierre Lacroix probably should have known it at the time, but the deal turned out to be a complete disaster, and the Avalanche went along with with the myth that they were trying to re-sign him but couldn't get him signed. And that was because his agent was the same agent as Joe Sackick's and they were trying to play the game. But it's so so those those three trades on, for Pierre Lacroix uh, are a little bit 
mistaken if you make them that they're they're the only deals of Pierre Lacroix. That he did some bolstering trades. He did some bolstering trades at the trading deadline okay. and, and as the playoffs approach. So there, I would say though that what Joe Sackick did here was supplemental bolstering trades, the kind that Pierre Lacroix probably should have made more of. Uh, and so you have you have to give Joe Sackick credit. But they're it's going for it. It's going for the cup. It's cup or bust because so many of these guys might be gone after this year. Okay, so let me throw an analogy your way. Okay, I'm going to use these trades. An analogous to cuts of meat, and just hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Let, I, I'm already picturing. The, hear me the out. Hear me in out. A white coat with blood on it. Hear me out. Probably the top meat out there is a ribeye, which is prime rib. Most would probably agree with that. Then let's go porterhouse next, just for fun. Uh, filet mignon is going to be probably after that. Uh, let's go with um, Giordano, a New York strip, and then a sirloin. Okay, you could make the case that Bork and Bork and Rob Blake, for sure, in terms of cuts of meat, would easily be a ribeye, porterhouse, filet mignon in no particular order. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. Okay, and then you look at Cogliano, Lekkonen, and Manson, and they would be sirloin steaks. They're not the best cut out there. They're fine. They're serviceable. That's what they serve at Sizzler. That's what they serve at Ponderosa. That's what they serve at places that call themselves chain steakhouses. They're really not that great. But here's here's my point in it. When you're buying a filet, you're buying a porterhouse, you're buying a ribeye, you're paying a lot for it. So if those guys are those particular steaks, you're probably spending... At the rate for three steaks, you're spending about $200, right? And right. for sirloins, you're spending for those three about 40 bucks. What's the better value? My argument would be the sirloin. And that's why my vote would go with Sackick. He didn't give up a ton to get those guys, and he didn't take on a lot of salary, where LaCroix didn't have a salary cap to deal with, and he had to give up a lot more. So in no, terms had, of pure he, value, I think Sackick did a better job. He had. A, I think the one thing about Pierre Lacroix, nobody, will, everybody tends to forget that that he had unstable ownership around him. It was often cash poor, so he didn't have an unlimited budget. That's a myth. I think the biggest steal in this, and I know you're going to laugh at me, is the guy who's making the least money. Well, there's two of them. Two two of those guys. If you go down the list. Uh, two guys are making only a million dollars, only, only a million dollars. Right. You know, that that's Andrew Cogliano and, and Darren Helm. They're yep. both only making a million dollars. Helm. Cogliano, Helm. Cogliano, I think, is the biggest surprise and find in all of this. In the, not in the tangible sense of ringing up numbers. It's his role as kind of a leader yep. and a respected player in the dressing room and on the ice. I've been absolutely stunned by what he's contributed. Darren Helm had it only a... Oh, maybe a serviceable, decent regular season, but he's blossomed in the playoffs as a crucial playoff element. And he has think, 21 hits in two games. 21 think, hits in two games. No one has come close to that. And if we are strictly just talking about stats, and I know that's what people like to talk about, Lekkonen has seven goals in the playoffs. Manson has a game winner and another one 
uh, in the playoffs, and the other one was in this particular series. I think every team has a player. Every team, every cup winner has a player where you go, where'd that guy come from? He didn't contribute in the regular season, but the game changes in the playoffs, and that player contributes more than expected and really rises to the occasion. And I think we're seeing that both with Cogliano and Helm. Uh, Helm especially upping upping the ante in the playoffs. And the, hey, I, I have to admit, I have to tell you, I have a wonderful experience of sitting in the uh, the uh, finished media corner of the uh, media workroom and meeting Lekkonen's father, who's really a hilarious guy. He's he's here with uh, and has been at the series with Vilay Neiman and the former Avalanche forward on the 2001 Stanley Cup team. So that's been an enjoyable experience to to uh, talk with those guys. I, I've learned a few words in Finnish, but I, as I understand it, I can't repeat them on the air. Well, then please don't repeat that on the air. So so you would say the biggest surprise of not the marquee players is who? Uh, well, you. I sort of said that it, I think Helm is the biggest surprise of the way he's up to Annie in the postseason. But Nachushkin is the biggest surprise There's in terms no, of prominence. But think about this. Remember we talked about in the Blues series, uh, the Blues have like eight guys with 20 goals or more, <laughs> right? Lekkonen, excuse me, Nachushkin. They actually had nine. We were right, off. Right, right. Nachuchkin, I believe, was the seventh leading goal scorer for the Avs this season. For the Avs this season. Right now, he is only behind McKinnon and Landeskog. And he's playing on the top line in yep. the playoffs, which was unimaginable a few months ago. Well, this is a guy who basically was uh, was brought in on a made-good contract after completely failing his first time in the NHL with the Dallas stars. And it was when they signed him, it was almost like, what are they doing? I mean, they really think they can get something out of him. He's only make, well, making only again, $2.5 million. And so he's, he's in line for a huge raise well, too, from somebody. Terry, we talk about role players, you know, who the big guys are, I'm going to throw out these names at you. We don't have time. We'll get into this another day because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about it. Cogliano, Lekkonen, Manson, Nachuchkin, Kadri, Kemper, Burakovsky, Helm. Is it fair to say all in their own way have been major contributors? Yes, Kadri, especially in the regular season, With that, is setting kind of gotta hit kind a break. Got to hit a break. They're all unrestricted free agents. Who is Zakic going to choose to keep around? We'll talk about that as time goes on. With that, coming up after the break, a Rocky Mountain Forest product shout out question. If the Avalanche close it out, if I, I can't believe I'm saying this. On Wednesday <laughs> or Friday, would they rank as the greatest team in Avs history? And could you make the case they're one of the greatest teams in one year, one Stanley Cup run in NHL history? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. 
What's Trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, every Monday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question to our friends Ty, Cal, Kate, and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. If the Avalanche closed this out in four games or five games, where would you rank this team overall in Avalanche history? I would move them up to first. I would ha- I would have to move them past the 2001 team and the 1996 team because of the uh, the uh, emphasis of their dominance throughout this playoff run. It wouldn't be apple. It wouldn't be apples and apples though, because I think we all have to acknowledge that that uh, this is a different era with the salary cap and and uh, yeah, it was easier back then. It was easier back yes, then. It was. Think, so about, I think, think about that. The, it was easier back then. It wasn't necessarily throwing money around. It was that you didn't have to worry about wedging money underneath anything, or uh, or worrying about that part of it. In this case, it's not just willy nilly. It's not just waste throwing money around. It's just a, a cap system that's proved to be successful for the NHL. It's going up a million dollars next year. But in this case, it's a, it's an instance of of Joe Sackick doing a great job of balancing the resources and what the what you can spend. And so. If you if you if you evaluate it against that backdrop, I would have to move this team to number one. You know, the big asterisk, of course, is Patrick Waugh is miles better than Darcy Kemper. And that's that would be the only qualification in my mind on personnel. Let me uh, just say this quick. They're drastically different. Let me just say this very quickly. I know how great Patrick was. He's not that much better than Vasilevsky. He's just not. He is just not. And we talked about this last week. Are the Avs going to even come close to scoring 4.6 goals a game? They're averaging five and a half right now. And neither of the Avs defenses, I'm not saying that they aren't as good as the as the Lightning defense with their top four, but at the very least, it's a wash. At the Vasilevsky. Ver- What's that? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go At ahead. At the very least, it is a wash, guys. What do you think? What are we going to say, Terry? Pesolowski can't hold Patrick Waugh's mask. Please, give me a break. Give me a break. You can't hold his mask? So I'm you, having fun with you. Well, don't. Well, you can have fun. Okay, have some fun. He's on the Mount Rushmore. You want to have some more fun? Vasilevsky and Wah are in the same league. They're both yes, on the absolutely. Mount Rushmore, and Wah wouldn't stand a chance either. Because Vasilevsky, nope, no, he wouldn't, and neither would Brodeur. And oh, by the way, the Lightning defense is better than what the Avs threw out there in either Cup win. Well, Wah would have done, and we'll find out if it's a case tonight. Is shake off a bad game, an awful game. He right. had some bad games, awful games in the playoffs. Shook, shook them off and came back and helped lead his team to the Stanley Cup. We'll see if Vasilevsky is capable of that against this team. He's done it the last couple of years too, uh, playing terrifically in the playoffs. So it's not a case of him needing to find a needing to find a gear that he's never shown before. So uh, when I, I when I teasingly say that, yeah, that is what was great about Patrick Waugh was his greatness was he would had a short term memory. And would help save his team in games after he played horribly and won back the trust and faith of his teammates if he had to, since they mostly mostly knew he was perfectly capable of that all the time. Well, you can make the case that Vasilevsky had a really short memory against the Rangers when he shut them down in the final four games. Yeah, he, he got he got crushed in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals six to two, but he certainly got progressively better. Uh, real quick. 
which team was better in your mind, 96 or 2001? 2001. Okay, so let's just for fun, and we're, you know, this is such great conversation. I wish we had a three-hour show. But just for fun, let's look at the top two defensemen on the Avs during that 2001 Cup run. Fair to say it's probably Blake and Foot. Blake and Foot were the partners, yes. And Foot somewhat compensated for Ray Bork having slowed down a bit. And he probably never got enough credit for that. But that they were... The, they were the top two defensemen. Now, the 96 team also had Sandus Ozelinch, who was a little bit, a little bit like Kale McCarr in the sense of, of freewheeling, uh, fast, right. speedy, offensive-minded. Although it's what I wrote about the other day, too. The game has changed so much that you're kind of expected to be – you can be Sandus Ozelinch, but you also got to be Larry Robinson at the other end. And, and it's it's uh, expected that you can be a hybrid defenseman doing both, and that's what Kale McCarr can do. Okay, so if we're going to say it's Foot and Blake, right? Top two defensemen? Yes. Okay. Foot is not in the Hall of Fame, is he? No. Uh, Blake is? I believe so, yes. From what we know at this moment, if you had to pick one defenseman for your team, for what you know right now, and I loved Rob Blake. He was the hip check master. Who would you <laughs> rather have, Blake or Victor Hedman? Uh, Victor Hedman played in so many situations, plays in so many situations. He's so versatile. He's, yep. he's of that newer era. Yep. He, he can do everything. So Rob Blake was a terrific player, right? but I would take Victor Hedman right now. And Blake he, was a ter- terrific right. college player at Bowling Green and kind of became a better player than anybody expected. Victor Hedman, of course, was, a was an elite draft choice at the top of the NHL draft and, uh, was ahead of, uh, Matt Duchesne that year, and he's but he's a terrific player. But I mean, just in virtually everything in terms of pure defense. Forget about versatility. Who do you want manning your blue line, Hedman or Blake? I was I take Hedman, but that, that's another case, Eric, of when I pick one over the other, right. I'm not trashing. Him. No, no, you're not. And this is my point. Hedman's been undressed in this series, and Rob Blake would be hip checking air. <laughs> He'd be hip checking nothing. He would lean out that hip and try and knock a guy out and it would look like he'd be dancing by himself not touching anything. This Tampa defense is better than what the Avs threw out there. And as far I, I will take Patrick Wall over Vasilevsky, but it's close. But uh-huh. it is close. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance just in case you missed it? Well, the DU Pioneers won the uh, college hockey fi- the college hockey title. The Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. So we've got one of Stan Kroenke's teams, one Colorado team, one that is in both of those categories. Just joined the group as champion this weekend. We'll talk about that on the other side, right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive as we get set for Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. Avalanche 
lightning as the Avs look to take a commanding three-zip lead down in Tampa. Terry is covering it all as he's getting ready to hop on over to the arena. Uh, welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T. Fry at Eric Goodman if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, if you're looking for new insurance, whether it comes to commercial, auto, home, life, even life, excuse me, even health insurance, you have to go with my guy, Eric Cook. Uh, he and I have worked together well over five years, and he does most of my stuff. He does my home insurance. He does my auto insurance. He does my health insurance as well, and he's as good as it gets because I'll tell you, he treats every client like they are his only client. How do I know that? Returns my phone calls quickly, returns my emails quickly. He does it on his days off, and that's the type of service that you should do more than just expect. You should demand that out of the people that you work with when you are working with them. With that, E, how are you, my friend? Doing all right. How are you doing, Eric? I am doing great. And um, when you get your license to do insurance, do they instruct you or at least mention that you should follow up with your clients once a year? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) It's all about learning the policies and getting out there and selling it. It's not about the follow-up or any of the customer service that should go along with that. So it's collect checks, commission checks as often as possible, but you thought, I bet it would probably be a pretty good idea to make sure everybody has what they need, and that's why I check in with them once a year. That's absolutely right. You know, that's one of the big beliefs and and why I am in business is to make sure that people do understand their policies. Uh, Most people just throw it, you know, auto policy in their glove compartment or homeowners just gets tucked away. Their health insurance, they have no idea what's going on, you know, until they have to file a claim or go in and see a doctor, find out their prescriptions aren't covered. It just kind of depends. So that's really where I wanted to step in and uh, just make sure people understand and, and know how to use what they're paying for and make sure that they've got what they think they're paying for. And that's why I think that you do such a great job and you run such a great business because you put your business in autopilot for me. I don't have to reach out to you. You're always reaching out to me. Hey, Eric, uh, do you do anything new to your house? Hey, Eric, did you do anything new to your car? And oh, by the way, how are you able to do health insurance and really nobody else does, which makes you really one-stop shopping? Well, um, well, I've been a broker for a long time. Um, got into that, got both licenses, um, have that other side of the business to, to work with, um, along with the farmer's agency, uh, to put it all under one roof. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the dream that I've had for a long time, um, with the health insurance piece of it, as you know, that's what I've been doing for much longer than the farmer's piece now going on, you know, what is it, a year and a half now I think I'm at, but um, always wanted to put everything underneath one roof with the health insurance business, be that one-stop shop, be that advisor that people can rely on, trust, and just make one call and have it all taken care of. How do people get a hold of you, Eric? 303-790-8089. So 303-790-8089. Before we cut you loose, tell us really quickly about what you can do on your website for new customers. Yeah, so we've got this new service. Um, it's going to really take down uh, the time that people um, spend getting quotes. Uh, so I know if anybody's shop, they have to sit on the phone for 30, 45 minutes answering a bunch of questions about their house or auto, whatever that may be. We've got a simple little link that you can click on. Um, we can send you by email. If you call in, we can get that to you, but you just click on it, 
sign in. It'll take you about 30 seconds, and we're able to pull um, the pertinent information that we need and cut that time down for you minimal. So 30 seconds sounds a lot better. <laughs> sounds a lot better than 30 minutes unless you are doing what I did over the weekend, which is consummate your marriage. 303-790-8089. E, talk to you soon, pal. Yeah, thank you, and go abs. Go abs. Time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, the Colorado Mammoth are the 2021-22 National Lacrosse League champions. They won over the weekend, defeating Buffalo, and that is another one of Stan Kroenke's teams that has now won a championship this year. Eric, you had an interesting stat that you put out on Twitter. Would you like to share that before no. I ask my question? No, no, you go ahead. I, I don't put out many interesting things. I just put out pictures of the wedding this weekend. Did I do some sports-related? You you told me that you had something sports-related. I did. I thought ba- it was an impressive statistic well, for Stan. Uh, b- basically, what I said was, I understand people are upset with Stan Kroenke about Comcast. That is understandable, and the whole thing has been botched. But he now has a championship with the Rams. He has a championship with the Mammoth. He's on the brink of having a championship with the Avalanche. How many owners in the history of sports have had two titles in five months and potentially three? That would be something. It can't be many. It cannot be many. I'm guessing it's zero. Yeah. Have uh, either you or Terry ever been to a Mammoth game? I have. They're a blast. I've even seen John Grant chalk up a sock trip. You know, he scores six sock trick. He scores six goals and everybody tosses socks. John Grant was one of the uh, treasures of the Denver sports market, greatest player in the history of lacrosse in many's mind. So I did a big feature on him, profiling him. And I've, the thing about the Mammoth, though, is the interesting story is these guys have jobs during the week. Yep. They either fly in for the game or they live here. And like one of them I did a feature on was teaching, was a kindergarten teacher. That's the, that's the Colorado Mammoth. They're fun to watch. It's a, it's a praiseworthy organization. And, and, uh, I, re- I really enjoy them. Well, I have never been to a Mammoth game, but I've been to many indoor lacrosse games when I covered the Buffalo Bandits. The crowd rocks, doesn't it? It's great. And Buffalo at that time had the greatest and still has the greatest lacrosse player of all time in Gary Gate. And that was a long, long time ago. I like John Grand Jr. for that, but I understand Gates' greatness, and he was uh, with with he was with the Mammoth for a while too. Yeah, he hoard himself around. Yeah, I've <laughs> never been to a Mammoth game, but I'm gonna have to go. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try to go next season when they raise that banner. Or you can just, fi- or you can just watch them on Comcast. <laughs> I find the indoor version of the sport much more exciting than the outdoor. There's so much standing around in the outdoor game. There's something always happening. They're running in and out of the game. Uh, in the indoor game, and I think I find it much more enjoyable. Well, it's yeah, because like, the field is the same size as a hockey rink, right? It's, it's not, yeah. like a football field. It's like roller derby. Yeah, it's like roller derby. It's like well, indoor- they, they can 
they it's can like, have an avalanche game in the afternoon and have their eyes have the have it ready for the lacrosse game that night. I mean, I'll, I'll go way back to my Buffalo days as well. I don't even know if they have it now. Do they still have indoor an indoor soccer league? I don't believe so. No, I don't think so. And the yeah. go, and the goaltender in Buffalo was Tony Miola, who was oh, yeah. who was the goalie for the U.S. team. All right, that's going to do it for us. And that was Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. You're going to walk into any store and try out the appliances before you try them. I mean, if you're going to make an investment like that, don't you want to know what it feels like? I mean, I can promise you, if you stand in front of an induction stove or you stand in front of a Viking range and they sell those for sure at uh, Mountain High Appliance, I don't know that they have in the big box stores you're going to be like, man, I got to get me one of these. So you go to the big box stores, you can't try that out. It's like, oh, it looks cool. You try it out there, you're going to be hooked. So awesome. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, one big name in this series did not show up for practice today. We'll let you know who it was next. Sing along with us, Yeah, we're happy.